I invite you now to stand, again, as you are able in body and or spirit, uh, for the reading of our gospel lesson, which this morning comes from Matthew's gospel, uh, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. My brothers and sisters and beloved friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. You may be seated. Would you bow with me just for a moment? Holy and gracious God, Lord, I ask that you would be with us and our spirits. May the words of our mouths, meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, you who are are our rock and our redeemer. And I ask that you would hide me at the foot of the cross, that, Lord Jesus, you would increase and I would decrease. And we ask this in your precious and holy name. You, our Lord and Savior, who lives and reigns with God our Father and with God the Holy Spirit, one God, true God, our God, now and forever. Amen. Well, boy, time really does does fly. I know these past few days it doesn't, may or may not seem like that as hot as it is. But as I was reflecting on this, uh uh oh, Uh, 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago, I became a certified, uh, sometimes I would say certifiable uh, candidate for ordination as an elder in the Mississippi Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. After spending 25 years Uh, in behavioral health and social services, as many of you you know. And I remember the excitement I felt about embarking on the plan, the path that God had been calling calling me to and preparing me for since I initially felt God's call as a junior in high school. Um, I took a few detours, uh, the scenic route, as my dad would call it. I didn't follow the call initially because I'm a woman. And then 10 years ago, I told God that not only am I a woman, now I'm an old woman. I'm middle-aged. Well, you see how that turned out, uh, my conversation with God. Well, believe it or not, 
I was the shyest kid in the class growing up. I never said a word. My kids say, Mom, you're making up for lost time. You don't ever shut up. Um, I am an introvert. I like that, uh, Betty, you said that lonely time. I like to be alone. I don't mind. That's a good thing because my husband's always on the road. But I do love being with my people, my family, and especially my grandchildren. But I really do love meeting new people and making new friends. Again, I don't mind being alone, but I'm also excited when faced with new adventures and new challenges. I do like to travel. I like to see new places. And I love getting to know people from different cultures and walks of life. And of course, they all love to poke fun at my southern accent. And I tell them, yeah, but I bet you can't spell your mama name. Um, but I also consider myself to be a lifelong learner. And I was thrilled about going to seminary. My mother said, oh my goodness, I've got a professional student on my hands. You would stay in school if we'd let you. Well, after getting a seminary degree, becoming a caregiver, pastoring two churches, small churches, and becoming a grandmother all in the same year, first year, I decided, okay, I'm done. I'm done with the formal degrees. I'll continue to learn but not go to school. I told mother I had been permanently healed of the desire to pursue another degree. Well, I've always been independent, uh, mother said, probably too much so. So I had no qualms about setting out going to seminary in a place where I didn't know anybody. I really didn't know my surroundings. So after research, uh, consideration, a lot of prayer, Kevin and I toured two seminaries and finally decided that United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio was the place that I needed to be. We felt the presence of the Lord and the Spirit's guiding there. So on August 1st of 2013, with two weeks of clothing, and you know that's a lot uh, for a woman. You've got to have shoes to match everything, you know, and jewelry and toiletries. My brand new laptop, and she's still holding on, numerous books, and seminary books are not lightweight. I had to rearrange them a couple of times. And a heart full of joy and eager anticipation. I boarded the first leg of my flight to Dayton, Jackson to Atlanta, of course. Well, on that very first flight, I witnessed God's healing, God's grace, as I prayed and talked with the lady seated next to me who was crying, and I kind of hesitantly and gently said, Ma'am, are you okay? Can I get you something? Is there something I can do? And she quickly told me about a difficult family situation. And we talked and prayed the entire short flight, but the entire flight. We found out we had mutual friends in her hometown, and we exchanged email addresses. And we kept in touch for a while, and I found out that God was working a miracle in her family. And on the second leg of the flight from Atlanta to Dayton, I met a woman who was the executive pastor of a large church near Dayton who was very familiar with the seminary and whose lead pastor was a very distinguished alum. So I was elated. I was pumped, y'all. I knew that this was a miracle, that this was God's confirmation of full-time ministry and God's leading me to United. But on the third day of that first week of classes, something happened to me, y'all, that I never thought would happen to me, and certainly not at a Christian institute of higher learning. 
I won't go into details of that event, uh, doesn't matter now, and also for many reasons, but to su suffice it to say I wanted to quit. I wanted to cut bait, as they say. I wanted to come home and beg to be reinstated in my position as the patient navigator, American Cancer Society navigator, at the United, uh, I'm sorry, at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. I cried myself to sleep several nights that week. I felt lost. I felt alone, completely helpless, and yeah, even in despair at times. Through my tears, through my anxiety, and in my angst, I cried out, and I wondered, where are you, Jesus? Where are you? Help. Well, the next day, I literally got lost in a thunderstorm as I was driving back to campus from the hotel I'd relocated to earlier that day. And I was driving a rental car again, unfamiliar surroundings, a major th thunderstorm, of course, GPS doesn't work. But I remember the calm, reassuring voice of Helen, who was the bookstore manager at that time, as she guided me safely through that storm and unfamiliar roads back to campus, and she greeted me with a great big hug. Also remember when I told my situation to uh, another female student I'd met and chatted with earlier that week, and when she found out the hotel in which I was I had relocated, she said, oh no, that's not a good idea for you. Why don't you come in room with me? I've still got two kids at home, and it's too quiet over here. I can't stand all this quiet. Ten years later, and that is the Reverend Jill Scott, Cleveland, Ohio, and she is one of my dearest friends. But remember, I was crying out, where are you, Jesus? Well, today's gospel lesson begins with Jesus immediately directing the disciples to get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. As Betty said, Jesus was tired. Jesus knew the importance of going to the Father, seeking God's face in prayer for rest, direction, healing. But the disciples went ahead of him. Last week, Andy shared another familiar story, the event that preceded this text, so you know they were tired. They'd fed all that crowd with very meager resources. As I always think about this um, miracle, I think about how miraculous it really is because counted among those men were teenage boys. Any of you have ever fed teenage boys? You know they can eat like two or three grown men. So that's really a miracle. But they were tired. But Jesus, in his compassion, said, don't send them away. You feed them. They even had leftovers. They had fish sandwiches for to-go plates. The disciples had seen this, participated even in this miracle. They knew they had been with Jesus. They knew they were in the presence of the Almighty, the Lord, and had witnessed firsthand his compassion and his power. We're, to to we're told in today's lesson that there was a powerful storm on the Sea of Galilee, and it was nighttime. And one of the interesting facts about the Sea of Galilee is that a storm can brew up at any time. In fact, when I was there with my seminary class, my last year in seminary, we were on the Sea of Galilee in a boat, of course, and a storm did blow up just out of the blue. Thankfully, it wasn't 
a really bad storm, and we didn't get, get stuck out there. But this was a really, according to Scripture, a really bad storm, and it was tossing the boat. Also remember that these disciples weren't just folks who had just gotten a boat and decided they wanted to set out on the Sea of Galilee. These folks were seasoned. They knew what they were doing. But the scripture said they wrestled with it. The waves were battering the boat. The boat was a long way from land and it was beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. Now mind you, even though these are Folks who are familiar with water and boats and the Sea of Galilee, they're human beings and they're exhausted. They'd been with Jesus. They had been feeding crowds. And they'd been wrestling this boat all night long. And Scripture said just before dawn, the fourth watch, between the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus approaches the boat. And he's walking on the water. When the ancient world, water is a symbol of chaos and great trouble. And only a deity can walk on water. This is seen in other ancient texts. Again, imagine how tired they were after wrestling the storm, and in their angst and fatigue, they lost their focus, and they didn't even recognize Jesus. They thought he was a ghost, but Jesus reassured them by saying immediately, take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. Well, then Peter, and Peter's the disciple with whom I identify most closely. You know, Peter's the one who's a little impulsive, passionate, um, ready to go. I answered by asking Jesus to confirm his identity. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me and I'll come on out. And Jesus said, come. So Peter stepped out of the boat and he began to walk to Jesus. Can you imagine what that felt like? Well, we all know what happened after that. As he was walking on the water toward Jesus, he got scared and he focused on the wind and that wind was powerful. But Jesus, but Jesus held out his hand, and he didn't let Peter sink. And after all, the, all of them were safely back in the boat, the storm ceased, and they knew, once again, they were in the presence of the Almighty, the Lord God. Well, if you follow the lectionary, the Old Testament lesson for today is from 1 Kings, which is Elijah's encounter with God through silence. You know, sometimes we expect God to have the neon sign, the flashing sign, the billboard, but God whispers to us in a still, small voice. We have to be with him in prayer and meditation. And he told Elijah, called to Elijah in a whisper. Well, this part is, text is part of the larger narrative in which Elijah on Mount Carmel challenges the prophets of Baal and sees God completely destroy the sacrifices to Baal, the wood, the stones, the soil, even the water in the trenches. Dried up, kind of like our yards right now. And Elijah, upon God's directive, 
commanded and watched the demise of the prophets of Baal themselves. But then what happened? Elijah got scared because King Ahab went and told Jezebel. We all know the story of Jezebel, the mean, hateful, evil queen. Jezebel was not happy, and she put out a hit on him. So he ran. What did he do? I mean, this man had just witnessed the power of God. This famous prophet just witnessed the power of God, but he ran. So what did God do? After Elijah had run for his life, run into the wilderness, laid under a bush and prayed to die, God sent an angel to provide food and water. said, you're going to need this. The journey is long. We all fear is a normal human emotion. All of us have some anxiety. Uh, this morning, yeah, I had some butterflies in, in my tummy. And it doesn't matter whether I'm preaching every week or every once in a while. I still get those butterflies. Somebody told me one time, if you ever stop having those butterflies when you get in the pulpit, you need to quit what you're doing. So some anxiety is okay. Some fear is okay. It keeps us alive. I have a healthy fear of snakes. I don't like them. I know God made them but they need to stay in their place, I'll stay in mine. We know not to touch a hot stove. We know not to run out in front of a bus. Some fear keeps us alive. But when fear is out of control, when we're tired, stressed, hungry even, we lose our focus. And we don't think rationally. It's not the feeling that's the problem. It's the behavior and the thoughts. We feel exposed. We feel vulnerable. We feel lost. And maybe even highly suspicious of others. Irrational fear can make us do all kinds of, kinds of things. We may fear loss of livelihood or even the loss of our lives and the lives of those we love. We flail around in the storms of life. Can't you just see the disciples and Peter? I mean, they're scared, Peter flailing around. Well, we do this in storms of life, or we run away, which is what I wanted to do. I was ready to hop the first flight back to Jackson or get in that little rental VW bug and hightail it on the road back to Jackson. We do that, or we're paralyzed. We freeze. We fight the fight, flight, or freeze response. This is what happens when we're ruled by fear rather than faith. This morning, Kevin Whittup, before this service, handed me this cross to hold. It says, the faith over fear cross. When we lose our focus and we lose our faith temporarily, we don't make good decisions. Rather, we are to seek God's face in prayer, walking daily with the Lord and focusing on the power and the grace of God, y'all, that we experience each and every day. In both the gospel and the Old Testament lessons today, we see, again, God's grace and God's steadfast and abiding love. When Elijah ran for his life, God sent an angel. In our gospel lesson, we see Jesus himself rescue Peter who, although afraid, did step out, but being human, lost his focus. 
So we see that God is always with God's people. It's interesting to note that in neither of these stories does the Lord shame his people. But God does invite us today, my friends, to the abundant life of freedom, living not in fear, but in faith, and in full assurance of his power, his infinite grace, and his steadfast love for us. One of my earliest childhood memories, I was either two or three, uh, because my brother hadn't been born, and my parents and I were invited to Wolf Lake, some of y'all know where that is, outside of Yazoo City, uh, to be guests on some friend's houseboat. I wanted to feed either the ducks or the fish, not sure which, but with bread in one hand and some in my mouth, I stepped off and I slipped down into the water in between the boat and the pier. Well, my daddy never learned how to swim. His mama was too afraid to let him learn how to swim. But my daddy does what a daddy does. My daddy did what a daddy does. He instinctively reached down, pulled me up. Believe it or not, I had no hair, or very little. By the two or three strands I had, with me flailing, and then as I got up close, Daddy took my hand and held me close to him. Today, our Savior not only knows how to swim, he walked on water, and he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, as we say. And this reminds me, y'all know I'm a musician, I love music, Reminds me of the hymn that we've sung a couple of times, Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the water lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. You see, my friends, this love, this great love, the love of God through Jesus Christ can lift you no matter what the storm is you're facing. Yeah, we'd love it if we had a little bit of a thunderstorm this afternoon. But whatever the storm of life is, Jesus extends his hand to you. All you've got to do is take it and say yes to his grace. He is the master of the sea, our risen Lord and Savior. You can trust him. He's overcome the worst. Would you bow with me? Gracious and loving God, how we give you thanks that no matter how deep we are in whatever situation we face, Lord, you extend your hand to us. You never leave or forsake us. Lord, help us to say yes to your grace and to take your hand and to walk confidently with you throughout the storm. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Our hymn of commitment today is My Hope is Built, one of my favorites. If you've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus, to put your whole trust and faith in him, today is a great day to do that. Perhaps you want to know more about uh, how to follow Jesus 
and want to do so at St. Matthew's, I'd love to talk to you. Or maybe you've got a storm in your life, adversity, and you need to spend some time at the altar in prayer. I'd love to pray with you. Whatever your need, God is able. Won't you come?